This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. What's up, everybody? Get Paid for Your Pet, episode 273. And today, I'm very excited to welcome to the show my good friend, Jesse Krieger. Jesse, What's up, Jesper? Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. So for those who don't know who Jesse Krieger is, he's actually the publisher of Get Paid for Your Pet. So we've known each other a long time, and that's almost five years ago that we published the book. And even before that, I featured you in Lifestyle Entrepreneur. So that's right. Close to 10 years of adventures. Awesome. Awesome. And Jesse, you've recently been renting out your primary residence in Las Vegas. Um, You have an amazing home. I've actually had the pleasure of joining a a wedding party there uh, back in in the summer. And so in this podcast, we're going to talk all about your experiences uh, and in particular, you know, renting out a primary residence. So you're renting it out when you're out of town um, and why you chose this location and, and how come you're, you've been doing so well because you, you've kind of been killing it so far, haven't you? Yeah, it's funny. You're probably somewhere in the main picture on my listing from the wedding party <laughs> in, the, in the shadow in the background. But yeah. Um, it's been a a great experience. Uh, I've owned this house for just over one year. Uh, I've affectionately called it the publishing palace, um, because I also run my book publishing company out of here by day. So, you know, before I bought this place, I knew that I wanted to buy a place that could be a primary residence and an Airbnb, um, for when I was traveling, which any given month can be between seven and 14 plus days. So I can be gone almost up to half the time. And I just really love the idea of having a home when I'm here and like an income generating property that gives other people a good experience of Las Vegas when I'm out of town. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your place? Sure. Uh, My place is at the end of a cul-de-sac It's a standalone house, four bedroom, uh, two bathroom, and it's just about 10 minutes away from the strip. So if you hopped in your car, you take two turns and you'd be at the Wynn Hotel or you'd be somewhere right on the main strip. But when you're here, it's tucked away and it feels like kind of a ranch house feel. The house itself is on a third of an acre. Um, So there's a backyard with grass and pomegranate tree and lemons and limes. There's a half of a basketball court. There's a horseshoe pit. There's a pool. There's even a kid's playhouse. So it's kind of got something for everybody. And one of the nice things about Las Vegas is, you know, the housing prices are pretty affordable relative to the rest of the country for what you get. So 
you know, having a third of an acre at the end of a cul-de-sac 10 minutes from the strip really checked all the boxes for me when I was looking for the kind of place I wanted to buy. So when you bought the place, you already had in mind that you were going to rent it out on Airbnb, right? Yes, mostly because I read this great book called Get Paid for Your Pad. And I was <laughs> waiting to see when I could put all these ideas into practice. <laughs> But uh, yes, it's true. I, I was definitely thinking about, you know, Airbnb specifically when I got the place and beforehand when I realized I wanted to buy the house. So I'm curious to know what would you say are the differences between if you would have bought it just for yourself and you know, buying it for yourself and Airbnb. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm sure, you know, having in mind that you're going to rent it out as an Airbnb probably uh, shifted your focus a little bit on, on certain aspects. And I'm curious to know like what, what are those, what are those aspects that you focused on specifically for Airbnb? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I'd say that there were differences if I was thinking about just buying it and not renting it, but my approach was very much, I wanted to buy it. I knew what I wanted to do renovation-wise, like putting in a grass lawn was very important to me to have um, you know, some grassy space so you can really enjoy it any time of year. Also inside, um, each of the main bedrooms has a full mural on the wall from our mutual friend, Annie, who I believe has been on this podcast as well. So, you know, my good friend Annie came over and did paintings on the walls. So there's a desert room, there's a tropical room, and then the master bedroom has this sort of starry night feel with like gold foil and deep blue color. So in terms of, I think that shows well on Airbnb. People look at the pictures and they're like, wow, this isn't just some random house in a subdivision. It's got character, it's got creativity in how it's set up and, and designed and laid out. So that's important to me personally because I enjoy it living here. And it's also something that I think creates a more valuable and just fun experience for Airbnb guests. And that's actually some of the main feedback I've got from guests is saying, you know, this place is so unique. Um, I love the creative touches in the design on the walls and throughout the house. Um, things like that have been reflected back, but I always thought of it as like, I wanted this house to be uh, a representation of my creativity. And so with that approach, I think other people appreciate it from, you know, a renter's perspective. I think you're absolutely right. I love the idea to have these themed rooms. And of course, Annie was on the podcast. Again. I can't remember exactly which episode, but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, with more and more Airbnbs coming on the market, I think the, you know, the necessity to stand out um, versus the competition, I think, is, is just becoming more and more important. And so I think with, you know, with these themed rooms, I think, uh, I think you're definitely uh, doing a very good job at standing out. But also I like your, your branding, the, publish, the Publishing Palace. I mean, you, you yeah. instantly remember that name. It, 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 gives it, it definitely gives it character. Um, do, you, do you feel that people that stay your place are also interested in reading uh, or have a law for books? That's a, I hope so. Um, I've got a whole bookshelf display with many of the books that we've published. 
Um, and I say in my guidebook, you know, and like the material people get when they arrive, uh, that they're welcome to read any of those. And I tell them a little of the history <clears throat> that, you know, this is where I do publishing as well as uh, make it available for others. So I think there's probably some tie in there, but I wouldn't say people are renting the place specifically because of the book related aspect. Um, but just while I was thinking of that, I remembered a couple more interesting touches that probably help sell the place and create this sort of Vegas experience. All of the furniture, <clears throat> substantially all of the furniture uh, was bought from an auction from the Cosmopolitan Hotel. And the cool story behind that is, you know, in Las Vegas, the Cosmopolitan is one of the top hotels. It's one of my favorite hotels personally. And I always had this vision of like, man, I love the decoration in their room. I love the furniture. So this twist of fate happened where they renovated a hundred suites or so. And I found the auction site to buy out the exact furniture from one of my favorite hotels. So, uh, you know, I mentioned that as well in the listing. And I think it adds for people that are coming to Vegas. We get a lot of people for conferences but then they want some unique experience as well. So I say you're basically staying in a suite at the Cosmopolitan, but in a four bedroom house, 10 minutes from the strip. <laughs> yeah, I think I do recognize that, uh, that blue couch that you have in one of these. <laughs> Having stayed at the Cosmopolitan uh, more nights than I wanted to admit. Well, and for anybody listening, I got it all steam cleaned after I got it from the auction. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Good, good. Um, you know, one thing that really stands out when I look at your listing, and this is something that uh, I've seen before, um, but I haven't, I haven't really, in, I've never implemented this myself, but I think it's a great idea. So your first picture doesn't just show your space, it shows your space while it's being in use. And you, you mentioned earlier that uh, I might be in the picture uh, because uh, in the summer of 2018, one of our friends got married and we had a party. And so Jesse took a picture with how many people were there? Probably like 50, 60 people uh, yeah. all enjoying themselves around the swimming pool. There's nice lights and the, the trees, the palm trees just really stand out. It's just a brilliant picture. And there's so many people in there that, you know, when you look at it, the, the first feeling that I get when I look at that picture is I want to be there. Nice. Well, in your case, you were there. But <laughs> in my case, yes. No, it's, it's cool that you point that out because I know you've looked at so many listings and everything. From my perspective, I was like, this is a fun picture. And I, I look at it and I think it looks huge. Like there's people hanging out by a pool with lights wrapped around palm trees and stuff going on. You know, if I was looking at different listings, I'd think, wow, that, that place looks huge. Like there's a whole party going on. But then you arrived, and yeah, it's a pretty big space, but of course, there's no party. I'm looking at, uh, at your other pictures, and there, there's a picture of the exact same pool as well, further down your, your portfolio of pictures. And it's just incredible how different that picture looks. Yeah. You know, when there's nothing there, when, there's, when it's completely empty. And I mean, this is an idea that I've been toying with uh, for a while. And uh, on my next visit to Colombia, when I will stay at my own penthouse, what I'm planning to do is to do that exact same thing, to invite some people on my roof terrace and, uh, and take some cool pictures and put that picture first on, on Airbnb. 
because there's something to it when you see people having an experience in a place versus just seeing the, you know, just the picture. I think that's a great, well, it's a great idea. It sounds fun. What you're going to do at, uh, is it Columbia? Yes. And, and I think maybe there's a takeaway um, in this where it's like if you ever have dinner parties or people over, in my case, what we're talking about was I hosted their wedding reception uh, in my backyard. So getting professional pictures from an event or just any picture where there's uh, activity going on, I think can really help with the imagination when someone's looking through listings and other places are just, you know, sort of sterile shots of each of the rooms and, you know, just showing what the physical space looks like. Absolutely. I mean, I always think of a listing as the, of the purpose of a listing is to, to help the viewer imagine what the experience would be like. And so having people in there certainly makes it a lot easier to imagine and visualize that experience. And I think there's one other thing to touch on, like, you know, I do a lot of, I'm in the book business, as you know, so I do a lot of writing and I really tried to write a compelling description that paints that picture along with <clears throat> the images used. Like, you know, if I'm just looking at it, the starting on the second paragraph, it says, enjoy a walk in the garden followed by a dip in the pool. There's a horseshoe pit and basketball court lined by palm trees and a great view of sunset as the day winds down. So in that just couple of sentences, it shows what your experience could be like at the place. Jump in the pool, maybe shoot some hoops. Then at the end of the day, you're in the garden, you watch the sunset. Those are some of the activities you can do. It sounds more interesting than just saying like, you can hang out in the backyard. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I 100% agree with you. And I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're still one of the Airbnb hosts that believes that people actually read the description as well. <laughs> That's, is, that, is that a trend you see that uh, people don't place as much emphasis on writing a good description for their space? No, I mean, I'm, I'm partly joking. Uh, oh. <laughs> of course, it's important to have a good uh, description. But, you know, the one thing that Airbnb hosts tend to complain about is that, you know, if guests will ask questions and then they're like, I wrote that in the description. Why are you asking me that? Oh, yeah. my description. Um, but um, that's a well. There's an interesting point there. It's like I've got a hot tub in the backyard, but it doesn't work right now. So I didn't include any picture, and I didn't include it in the listing for obvious reasons. I don't want people to have that expectation. But one of the only like semi-negative reviews I got was that the the hot tub didn't work. So I replied, and I was like, "Look, man, like I didn't market it as having a hot tub. There's no pictures, and it's not in the description." So. I know that you saw it there and I'm sorry that you're sad that it didn't work, but you're really going to leave me like four stars just because of that. I know I learned that the, the hard way as well. I, uh, I used to have a, a washing machine uh, in my apartment and then it broke. And instead of immediately removing it, uh, I just, well, I guess I was traveling. So I figured, uh, oh, I just, I'll just take it off the amenities list and then I'll replace it or I'll, I'll get it out there once I, once I get back home. And then I got a bad review as well. Somebody saying like, yeah, the washing machine didn't work. But I adjusted my listing and I said, hey, we, I don't have a washing machine. But if you want to do your laundry, then here's, here's like free places within walking distance where you can do that. Um, but that's, yeah, that lesson I learned the hard way as well. Anything that's available has to work, like regardless whether you're advertising it or not. It's just people just expect everything to work. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, I was going to 
kind of say that it's important to manage the listing because that's what sets people's expectation for the place. Um, but at the same time, I think it's probably a better practice to just have everything work. So Absolutely. For the same reason. Yeah. Absolutely. And I always try, one thing I also found um, is in the welcome message before someone arrives, I'll always say, you know, you're welcome to have anything in the fridge or cupboards. And sometimes there's some beers in there or like snacks like popcorn or chips and, and coffee and stuff. So that's not advertised, but I let them know that they're welcome to just make themselves at home and eat or drink whatever's there. Um, that's gotten some really positive reviews and feedback. So sort of over delivering uh, with a little surprise as well as making sure everything works that's listed. Got it. And one little tip I have for you is like you've, you've written all these beautiful paragraphs describing your beautiful home, but then I look at your photos and then the captions, you know, they're, they're either not present or they're, they're very basic. So one little tip I have for you is, you know, use that same writing creativity to, uh, to, visualize the experience or help people visualizing the experience for every picture as well. Cause you know, most people are more likely to look at the pictures and they, uh, they will also notice the, uh, and read the captions. That's a good tip. Thank you. No worries. Hi, my name is Margo and I'm the CEO of Hostfully. We are on a mission to make local travel a lot better. And we're starting with digital guidebooks to make that happen. Using Hostfully digital guidebooks, which work great on any mobile device, on desktop, and in print, you can share important property information and local recommendations with your guests. You can also save time and create a great guest experience that each traveler will appreciate. Hostfully guidebooks are very fast to make, and we've included some advanced features where you can feature your custom logo, your colors, custom categories, and essentially your brand. Please take a chance to check us out at Hostfully.com. So you're... You've been doing really well. I, I know we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording and you mentioned to me that anytime you open up your calendar um, when, you're, when you're out of town, you, you get a booking really quickly. Yeah, well, so one of the drawbacks that I've realized to having a primary place that I air in the Airbnb is I just want to be renting out all the time. Like it, it seems that there's a lot of demand in the sense that Every time I've opened up a block of dates, usually, if not always, within 24 hours, somebody's booked it out. And I've talked to a few other hosts and you know, friends that do this as well, and they reflected that you know, their place, they have to work a little bit harder to get bookings sometimes. So then we looked at the AirDNA um, description for the zip code I'm in, and it ranks like 100 out of 100. So... It, it turns out that there's a few other factors like being this close to the strip, but having a standalone house is appealing. And also, you know, there's some restrictions in Las Vegas in terms of which kind of places can be used for Airbnb. So I think there's a little bit lower supply than there is demand. But nonetheless, you know, any given week, some huge convention or some big activities taking place in Vegas. So there's sort of a perpetual stream of people coming through this city. And I think that makes it maybe a little different than other cities too, because I mean, millions and millions of people come to Vegas every year. So the, the pricing that I've got on my place is much lower than, you know, a smaller room in a hotel on the strip. 
for people that are looking for that experience. Yeah, I was just looking at your prices and you know, when you first told me that as soon as you open up your calendar, your place gets booked, you know, my first instinct is, well, maybe you could be charging more and I'm looking at your listing and you, know, you have a free bedroom, uh, free bedroom place, right? I mean, I've been there, I know, I know how big it is and I think you're charging $115, correct? Well, I put it on smart pricing, and maybe you've got a tip ah, for that. There we Is go. Is that bad? There we go. Well. <laughs> Damn it. Well, I just started raising my price. Now I'm up to 100. <laughs> I just got a booking for 138 a night. But I took their recommendation and started at a lower price yeah. and then put it on smart pricing. No, so it's, it's uh, you know, Airbnb calls it smart pricing. Um, I would probably drop the the smart part of that <laughs> i mean well the thing is airbnb it ha, airbnb's incentive their goal is to get more bookings right that's what they want yeah. they want bookings and so they you know there's a conflict of interest right as a host you want to maximize profit but airbnb wants to maximize the amount of bookings i mean they're not they have like $3 billion in, in cash or something. You know, their, their profitability is not their major concern. It's, it's, it's growth. It's bookings, users, um, even outside of the, outside of, uh, the short-term rental space, right? They're di diving into uh, hotels, their experiences. And so, yeah, smart pricing uh, is, I mean, it's pretty well-known, well-documented that it, it recommends prices that are, that you're definitely, I mean, Airbnb, from Airbnb's perspective, what happens with your Airbnb is exactly what they want. You know, yeah, you're, I get it. You're always getting bookings, um, but um, it's not necessarily the, the most profitable uh, strategy. Now, that is, you know, in the beginning, although I have to say, like you're, you're at 11 reviews, um, so you're, you're still kind of in the, in the phase where you, you're building your reputation. And so, you know, when you're starting out, I, I much rather have a lot of bookings at a lower price point uh, because every booking has an intrinsic future value because from every booking that you have, you will get more in the, in the future, right? Because the reviews and the activity and the experience and the mouth-to-mouth -mouth advertising, they all contribute to more bookings in the future. So I think, uh, I think it's, uh, it's not a bad idea to, to price uh, a little lower in the beginning, but once you get a solid reputation, I would definitely encourage you to uh, play around a little bit. If, if your goal is to maximize profit, then that's Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say case. this. They, they make it easy enough where, for me, I sort of look at the alternative of not having a booking is just my place sits empty and I'm out of town, so it's a missed opportunity. So if their smart pricing is to maximize number of bookings, then it, it works pretty well. Um, but I think now that I've gotten a little bit of a handle on it, I want to try some different pricing strategies and see maybe somebody wants it at 175 a night and it's like three people that would otherwise be booking two, two hotel rooms at like $200 each. So there's still a substantial savings if you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think you can host up to, well, you're hosting up to four guests. The maximum amount of people is four that you want. I could accommodate up to six. Um, there's another king bed that's it's outside on it's like a cabana day bed, but it could be set up in the living room and 
you know, that would make it sleep six comfortably. Got it. And so your personal bedroom, you, do you lock that one? No. Okay. Okay. Cause you have three bedrooms. So I was assuming that. Yeah. So the, the fourth bed, yeah, good point. the fourth bedroom is converted into an office. I'm actually in it now. So yeah. I only close this room off and it's at the far corner of the place. So it, essentially everything is accessible to the guests. Just one room in the corner is closed off. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, well, the, the thing is, um, you know, what you might see is that when you raise the price that it has very little effect on your bookings. So you're still getting those bookings, but now you're getting, you know, you're getting a higher price for it. Um, and so you kind of have to experiment and, and, and keep raising the price until you see the bookings uh, drop. And that's when you then that's when you know that you've kind of hit that point where you're at a price point where it actually affects your uh, bookings negatively. Um, I mean, I was pretty shocked when I first started renting out in Amsterdam. I remember I started with a price of between 100 and 150 euros. And so 150, that was my, my top rate, you know, that was for, for a weekend dates. It was for nurse events. Um, and I think a year later, my top rate was somewhere between 300 and 350. And I was still wow. getting pretty booked. And it, it, it's a bit shocking when you, you know, when, when I was setting those prices, I was a bit shocked because I'd never expect to be able to make that much money. Uh, but if you do, if you do compare it to hotels and you break it down, I mean, if you, if you're hosting six people and you, you setting the price at $300, that's only 50 bucks a person, um, which doesn't really give you much in, you know, in a hotel. Um, I mean, especially if you include all the taxes and the resort fees and the fact that, like when you're in a hotel, like you're going to spend a lot of money on food and drinks, especially in Vegas, you know? I mean, a, a drink is like, what is it, like $10, $15? Yeah, that's a great point. That gives me an idea. You know, I think for like summer bookings, I should change it and just having the description be like, here's the math. Like you could pay this much plus resort fees plus $20 a drink or be 10 minutes away, have a whole house, make one trip right down the street to the grocery store and, you know, have a, a luxury experience on a, on a budget. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, one thing that I've noticed every time I'm in Vegas is that everything is so expensive on the strip, but then everything is so cheap off the strip. It really is. It's a huge difference in just a couple of blocks away. It's, um, it, it completely blew my mind uh, when I stayed off the strip for the first time and I went to some little Vietnamese place and I think I paid less than $10 for like an amazing meal. And I was thinking, wow, this doesn't even buy me like a small sandwich in, in, the, in the Cosmopolitan. I, mean, I might get like a coffee and, and a, yeah, and a mini, bucks for mini donut. In the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like, uh, it's, it's so I, yeah, no, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely emphasize that. Uh, yeah, people are going to save a lot of money by being able to go into the, su to the supermarket by going to. Um, and even the massage, like, yeah, I put it in the guidebook right around the corner. There's $20 an hour massage and it's great. <laughs> so I could put like massage at the win, like 175 an hour massage at the publishing palace, $20. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, 20 bucks. That's a, that's a fucking rebel at uh, excess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. There's, um, 
Is there anything else uh, that you think is uh, interesting to share when it comes to your experience? Do you have any crazy stories? Any? Yeah, I do have a crazy story. Actually, a really good one. <laughs> this would be That's a good great. one for everybody. So I was just just finished renovations. Like I should mention, I've renovated this place for like four and a half months before it was ready. So I was really eager to rent the place out and have it start generating some money. Um, so anyways, I had my first booking and I just had left. I was at the airport and then they had just arrived. And I get to the airport, I check in and I get a text from my neighbor saying, what's with all these people at your house? Why are they having a party? Like exclamation question mark. And I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> so before I even texted back my neighbors, I wrote to the guest and said, I was just informed by my neighbor that there's a lot of people and this and that, like there are no parties allowed, like confirm that you understand this. And then 10, 15 minutes later, the Airbnb person writes back and says, there's no, it's just me and my two kids and one of them's playing basketball. So I texted my neighbors and they were just messing with me and I was so nervous. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, then the Airbnb guest was like, do I need to worry about your neighbor spying on me? Anyways, it ended well. My neighbor was so embarrassed that I wrote to the guest right away and didn't know that they were kidding, um, that he walked over and brought them a bottle of champagne and they had a good laugh. But I was like, at the moment thinking, is my first guest going to leave early and give me a one-star review? I'll be doomed, right? How do you come back from that? <laughs> Wow. Did, you, did your neighbor buy you a bottle of champagne as well? For this <laughs> yeah, good <cost>? question. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I've lost five days of my life probably at least. Yeah, you know, I, it all ended well, but uh, he, I think he did something nice for me. <laughs> but I was like about to leave the airport and go back and miss my flight just to make it okay, you know. <laughs> well, your, your neighbor has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Nice thing is, after that first time, there's been no, no negative incident, um, which just makes me happy that, like, generally, it seems like people respect the places that they rent on Airbnb, and I'm, on, I'm not marketing it towards a bachelor party crowd. Like, it's for families and people here for a conference that are basically going to be on the strip all day doing stuff. So, yeah, no other incidents, which has been nice. Awesome. Well, talk, let's talk quickly about the upcoming launch of Get Paid for Your Pets version 2.0. Yeah. I know I've been talking about this for a while and, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, you know better than me, Jesse, that when you start writing a book and you think about how much time you need to, to get it done, it typically takes a little bit longer, doesn't it? Yeah. And by a little bit, like two to three times as long. <laughs> How many books have you published now under the Lifestyle Entrepreneur's Press? We've got over, we've got 52 books published and another 17 coming out this year. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, a total of 90 books that we are the publisher and or distributor for. So things have grown since wow. uh, Get Paid for Your Pad <clears throat> version 1.0 was the very first book. Yeah. So, no, that's amazing that, you know, and I'm really awesome that the launch of Get Paid for Your Pet kind of launched you into this whole book publishing business, which is yeah. going really well. 
No, it's, it's for sure the case. And, you know, Get Paid for Your Pad, the book has done really well. It makes me happy that like if the first couple books we published didn't do so well, I don't know if I would have really committed to um, building a publishing company. So it's been really, it's been a wild ride on that front. Awesome. Yeah. Which well, it takes place at the publishing palace, which you can rent on Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. And uh, we're expecting a lot from the launch of Get Paid for Your Pet 2.0. It's going to have all the content of the first book, but it will all be updated and amended with all the extra insights that I've gained over the last uh, 200 and uh, what is it? 72 podcast episodes. Yeah. Uh, all, all the stuff that I've learned from other people, essentially other hosts that I've interviewed. Um, but it's going to have a completely new part as well that talks about investing. So it talks about how do you find uh, you know, a profitable place to invest um, for your for your new Airbnb. It has lots of case studies. It has obviously the case studies of my own investments, but I've also I also have like up to six, maybe even more case studies of other people. Um, so it's going to be a pretty sizable book. And you know, when we launched the first book in 2014, we launched it from scratch, pretty much, right? Um, nobody knew me, nobody really, well, some people knew you, but not for Airbnb. <laughs> no. um, so we, we really started from scratch and, and we, ab- we were able to, uh, to launch a book that, that actually did pretty well. I mean, I looked at the sales record and it's, uh, it's in the top 5% of uh, best-selling books on, on Amazon. So that's not bad for launching a book uh, from scratch, but now it's going to be you know, we're expecting a little bit more. Of course, we have all the people that have already read uh, "Get Paid for Your Pet," the first one. Um, it's kind of I tried to calculate how many people have bought our book since we launched it. Um, it it's was, in the thousands and thousands. Uh, my guesstimate, and and because I can't tell exactly, because because Amazon has a pretty complicated system where people can borrow the book, people can you know people can resell, people can do all sorts of stuff. But my estimate was that somewhere between thirty and 40,000 people have now either read the book or listened to the audio book or borrowed it. Yeah, definitely, which is amazing, you know, when you think about it. And in that time, um, you know, Airbnb has grown. So there's been a great synergy from my view that, you know, you got in sort of early, one of the very first books for Airbnb hosts. And... There was even, remember, somebody copied the cover and we had to tell them to change it and all this other stuff. So as Airbnb grown, as more people are interested in it, there's just continual interest in the book. And I'm super excited for the next edition because what you know now and all the experiences you've had, 270 plus episodes plus your own investments and working with so many people, you know, it's going to be the best book out there for Airbnb hosts and people interested in getting into Airbnb investing too, I'd say. Absolutely. Well, that's what we're aiming for. And we're aiming also for a launch in, in October. And uh, so far, um, we're well on track. So I see no reason why uh, that wouldn't be the case. Um, Jesse, well, thanks so much for, for joining today. And uh, for all those people out there who are thinking about maybe they want to publish a book in the future, why don't you let them know how to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, this has been fun to, I've, I've sort of been looking forward to this interview for a while since even when we published your book, 
I wasn't even close to having an Airbnb property of myself. So now it's kind of come full circle to ha- have an Airbnb and to have learned and everything from your experience and actually have a good thing going now with Airbnb is really cool on so many levels. So thanks for having me. And yeah, for anybody that's interested in publishing a book, Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press. My name's Jesse Krieger. Uh, you can find us at lifestyleentrepreneurspress.com and on any social media and reach out and maybe we'll put a link in the show notes here. Uh, Absolutely. I'm interested in chatting with you. Absolutely. I'll put all the links. I'll put the link to your listing as well because I want to encourage people to take a look and to take a look at that first picture because I, I really think that's a great picture. It, stand, it must stand out so much in, this, in the search uh, results as well because most people will put a picture of the entire house or the bedroom or the living room. And so having, having this, this picture of this big party at your, uh, at your swimming pool, I think just really stands out and probably gets you a lot of, uh, a lot of views and a lot of bookings. So yeah, uh, getpaidforyourbed.com slash podcast. That's where you can find all the show notes just as usual. And I'll send out an email as well for every podcast that I publish. So if you're not on my email list yet, go to getpaidforyourpet.com and sign up. And then you get like an awesome little report, free report with all sorts of cool tools that you can use to be more efficient and make more money. So if you haven't signed up yet, sign up and then I can send you really fun emails, which I really enjoy doing. So thanks. <laughs> thanks. And you get to see where's Jasper in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and your emails come from all different countries. It's fun to get them. It is. It is. Recently I've been a bit more stable here in Barcelona, but uh, I will be traveling again soon. Anyway, Jesse, thanks. And uh, for the listeners, uh, thanks for watching and, uh, or thanks for listening, I should say. And until next time. Get paid for your pet.